0: To end the Word, with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, beginning in verse 20. Brethren, Paul writes, he goes, Do not be children in understanding, however in malice be vapes, but in understanding be mature. In the law it's written, with men of other tongues and of other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with, with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever uh, or an uninformed person comes in, he's convinced by all. He's judged by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. And then getting into the body of the text for today, Paul goes, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there's no interpreter... Let him keep silent in church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And now you'll understand, let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Or did the word of God come originally from you, or was it only you that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. However, if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Father, we have before us a loaded passage today. A loaded passage because we as people, we we desire to understand. But sometimes when we see some things that are at our first reading might be a little confusing might actually buck against maybe what is a socially accepted uh, norm in the culture in which we live in Uh, when we when we see that there is a, a contradiction or there is a a conflict in that then Lord help us to not allow our culture to dictate who it is or what it is that we should believe, but help us, Lord, to allow your word to move in our hearts, to move in our minds, to teach us, Lord, what it is that you desire of us. Because, Lord, when it all comes down to it, the culture in which we live is ever-changing. But you, you change not. Your word is the same. Your love is the same. You are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You will change not, but our culture, it is ever-changing. Help us, Lord, not to look at your word and measure your word based upon the norms of our, of our culture or our custom, but help your word to form and fashion and shape our culture and our custom and our way of thinking. For your word is everlasting and our culture is passing away. Help us, Lord, to learn this day more from you. Help us to know how we might live our lives. To bring a smile to your face as we Take our steps on a day-by-day basis. May we be used by you as we are empowered by you, as we live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right. Uh, Paul, he's been talking about the gift of tongues. Um, as we have looked at in over the last few weeks, um, we have talked about, you know, it's a confusing uh, gift um, for some. Hopefully, if you want to go back and listen to some of the messages, you can get online, and we have the last few messages online. You can listen to those, and you can catch up on uh, my take on the gift of tongues and all of the other gifts that are, are mentioned. But um, the gift of tongues is oftentimes uh, one of the, the 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 gifts that is the it's the the eye catcher. It's the one that everybody wants to look at and go, oh, well, you're either a church that does or you're a church that doesn't, or you're a church that believes in it or you're a church that doesn't, and oftentimes we, especially in our culture, will look at a church um, and we will judge the church based upon that, and, and oh, well, they're they're you know a bunch of you know hyper-Pentecostals because they speak in tongues or or they're, they're a, a church that doesn't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit because they don't believe in the gift of tongues and what have you. And so we characterize oftentimes um, a church based upon their view on the gift of tongues. And uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, I guess I would say that's wrong. We should never judge a church based upon their view on on. A gift. You know, I look at many people that I study uh, on a week by week basis as I get into the Word, I study the Word, and, 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 and then I'll, I'll look and I'll, I'll read other men that have, have come on and some women that have come on and, and have taught and have, have uh, you know, expounded on the Word. And there are certain things that I can pick up from. And I, I like to pick up from some of these guys that are out there. And, and not all of them are, they, do they believe in some of these gifts? Um, some of them are guys that are pillars in my, if you will, in my, in my, for me, my own personal bookcase, if it were behind my desk. Now, what's interesting about, you know, today is that, uh, uh, you know, I've got a bookcase of books over here in the youth uh, or in the children's ministry, and and uh, that's a neat thing. I, I, you know, you might look at those and go, "Wow, those are there's a lot of books over there." Well, there's a whole, there's probably at least that many more in boxes, and that's a neat thing. Hey, books, yay! I don't really read a whole lot of books anymore because we're an electronic society now. We we have this. This ability, and I have this, you know, computer program that has, uh, you know, close to, you know, 30 some odd thousand books on the, the, the you know, my, my, my computer. And so, uh, I've got books upon books that I'll never even come close to reading on my own computer. And so, uh. I will use those. I I will every once in a while pull a book out cuz it sure is kind of neat. I know a lot of people love to have the feel of a book in your hand. Sometimes I'll pull out a book, but not very often. I don't I have to say that not very often. Now, I may not have a book, you know, when I'm studying a certain uh, you know topic uh, and where it comes up in scripture, and I, I might go and grab one of those books and take it home, and I'll use that book because it was something that has influenced me in my life. And, and there were some certain things that um, that fellow that I might not have on my computer that has been downloaded on the computer. Um, it's it's not on there, and so I have to go back to a book, you know. But uh, it sure is nice to be able to have at my fingertips a lot of books at at at, at a time. But many of those men that I listen to and I, I or I, I, I read, they don't they don't believe in these things. they don't believe in the gifts. i and and some of them will say that, you know tongues are not for today and and that you should not speak in tongues today. I, and it's hard when you read them and you talk you listen to them because, they're such great expositors. And then they come to areas like, you know, Paul speaking here in, in uh, uh, verse 39 of chapter 14. He says, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. And so here Paul's saying, don't forbid anybody to speak in tongues. And that's exactly what these guys are doing. And I'm going, ah, come on. I know you guys better than this. You guys are much greater expositors in, in everywhere else except this because it's something that you just can't grab a hold of. And that's oftentimes what the gift of tongues is, is that if we can't understand it, if we can't completely and totally grasp the understanding of what tongues is about, then therefore, it, it, because I can't grasp it, it must not be true. And it must not be valuable or it must not be something that the Lord uses uh, today. And uh, I would say that that's never the way to ever approach the Word of God. We should never approach the Word of God that says, I must understand everything that the Word of God says or else I will not believe You know, the parts that I don't understand. Man, I don't, I don't understand the Trinity and yet I believe it. I don't understand the Trinity. How do you, how do you, you have three in one, one in three? It's not the three musketeers, by the way. You know, I know people will look at, you know, uh, uh, the Trinity and say, well, m- let's consider an egg. How many of you guys have heard the egg illustration as, as it's being illustrated, you know, the Trinity being illustrated? And you go, what do you mean by the egg? Well, you've got the shell and you've got the white and you've got the yolk. And so, you know, the, the, the shell and the white and the yolk. the shell, if you have it by itself and you look at it and you go, what is this? Someone will say, well, that's an egg. If you have the white just by itself, well, you might have to look at it a little bit more, but you go, well, that's egg. It's egg white. You know, uh, what if you have the yolk? Well, what's that? Well, that looks like an egg yolk. It's, it's egg, egg, egg. They're all egg. They're all egg. They all compile, you know, compile together to make an egg, separately their egg, together their egg, and yet I would never want to relegate my God down to an egg. I, I just won't do it. I can't do it. He's much more complex than that. And so because I don't understand exactly how the Trinity works, oh there's many ways to that come close but we never will really truly grasp the Trinity. I don't believe until we see him face to face. And I don't even know if we're going to understand it then. I know we're going to believe it. And so there are things that I believe that I can't completely understand. I don't totally understand, like some of you in this room, Andy would understand this, and he could get up here and he could give you a, 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 he could take the whole rest of the message and tell you how electricity works. I hit that little switch back there. These things come on. it's a light. Hey, that's how it works for me, but I don't understand electricity. How in the world does all that power go everywhere and say, and yet it's contained, and you think about, if you just allow your brain just for a few minutes to think about electricity, it'll blow your mind. You'll blow a circuit. But Andy, he's an electrical engineer. I mean, tell him, you know, he'll sit up here and he'll explain it to you and you go, oh, that totally makes sense. Now, I forget what he always tells me about electricity, but, I, you know, it. I, anytime I have problems with electricity, I call him, hey, you know, hey, what is about this? I, what's that? Don't touch the black one. Don't touch the black one. <laughs> <laughs> the black one. <laughs> That's not always the case, because some of these guys, jabronis, they go in there and they hook the white to the black, and you go, what in the world? Yeah. Um, but, uh If we relegate ourselves down to a place where we have to understand exactly every single thing in Scripture before we will actually uh, add it to our spiritual repertoire, if you will, our understanding, well then you're going to lack in faith. And I know that these men that I listen to and I look at or that I read over the years, uh, they don't believe that and yet there's one area where they check their brains at the door and this is one of those areas and I, I, I struggle with it, but it's okay. I love them still. Many of them are in heaven right now. And they believe in tongues. Now, they do. I I do believe so. But tongues, uh, you know, to kind of put this to to rest, um, you know, tongues was a big thing back in in this day, in, in the Corinthian church, because Paul has given, you know, a good part of three chapters to it. And he's saying, hey, here's the thing. And as he culminates it here today, he's going, this church here in Corinth thinks that you're re- you think that you're really, really, really spiritual because you speak in tongues. And and what we'll see here in just a second, and I won't spend too much time on it because I'm going to run out of time very quickly, but he'll say, he'll be saying here, listen, uh, how is it, he says it there in verse 26 how is it, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, interpretation, let all things be done for edification? He goes in the very last verse of this chapter, let all things be done decently and in order. And God is not, he says there in, in uh, uh, verse 33, God's not the author of confusion. And so he's saying things need to be done. For edification, things need to be done decently and in order. And God is not the author of confusion. Just a little bit ago, as we opened up the passage today, he's saying, hey, if some unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in and you're all speaking in tongues, is he not going to come in and go, you're all out of your mind. You guys, you're out of your gourd. I don't want to be a part of this. I don't understand what you're saying. And so he's going to leave and he's going to, I want nothing to do with that. And so Paul is trying to rein that in and say, listen, just because you have the gift of tongues doesn't make you more spiritual than anyone else. And in fact, because you all think that that is the big gift to have, he actually says, I'd rather speak five words in a known tongue than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Because... Nobody's going to understand what I'm saying in 10,000 words in an unknown tongue, but in five words. If I can just exhort people in five words, that's better than the tongues. Now, Paul's not saying tongues are a bad thing. He's just saying, don't get so hung up on the gift of tongues. And we do in this church. Not just this church, but I'm saying in, in church today, we get hung up on the gift of tongues. So Paul's going... Here's what we're going to do. Let's do this. If you do come together and you do speak in tongues, let no more than two or three of you speak. Because what Paul's saying here in verse 26, it's an interesting thing here. He says, how is it, brethren, that whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, revelation, interpretation, let all things be done for edification. He's saying, how is it that when you all come together, each of you are, are, are you have a you have a gift that you're going to share. Now, uh, this word um, for let all things be done for edification um this is a a word that is is speaking about um, this is a word that is speaking about building up building up now the the interesting thing about this is that uh, uh this in 1 Corinthians first, verse 14, 26-31, the, the admonition to the brethren of Paul, who lead in the public worship, is that only one at a time should speak. It, what this word edification is, is doing is that it, the manner and the structure of this word, from someone who's much smarter than I am, uh, is named Zodiades. Any of you guys have ever heard of Zodiates? Uh, Zodiates, uh, literally translated, means he ain't heavy. He's my brother. But he 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 states he's a Greek scholar. He's a Greek scholar, and and he uses this word. He looks at this word and he says the structure of this word is not necessarily edification or for for everyone. But but he's saying it's the way that this is structured. Is that when you're all coming together, you're all speaking at one time. Everybody is speaking at the same exact time. Everybody's stepping on everybody else. Maybe you've been to a church service where a pastor is speaking and somebody gets up and starts, you know, giving a prophecy or, or, or giving a tongue, you know, speaking in a tongue, and then somebody gives an interpretation, right? Is the pastor speaking? Uh, we're going to see that that's not decently and in order. What happens is that it, that doesn't make sense. Paul's saying, listen, this, in this verse right here, he's saying, how is it that you're doing that? God doesn't interrupt himself. When God's speaking through a pastor, why would he go... Yeah, I'm going to interrupt you right here because I have something else to say. Blah blah, blah. And, and all of a sudden, somebody gives a, an exhortation, you know, something to worship the Lord in the middle of this. And Paul's, Paul's saying, if a pastor is teaching, why would somebody get up and interrupt? Why would God interrupt himself from, from articulating the word? That's not done decently and in an order. What it causes is confusion. He goes, God's not an author of confusion. That's what he's really dealing with here. Is that when they're coming together, it's like it's just a mass mayhem of people having a tongue or having a revelation or having a word of knowledge or or prophesying and everybody's doing it at the same time to a point where you're going, I I don't know, it's almost like in a crowded room at a party and everybody's talking. And you go, can I concentrate on one person? You've been in that before, haven't you? Where you go into a a room where it's kind of loud. I remember Nathan, back when he was a baby, he did not like to go into uh, restaurants that didn't have sound attenuation in the walls and, and where they were just cement walls. Um, Sam Seltzer's uh, Steakhouse, which was down here on uh, 41. Now, I don't think it's there anymore. I don't know if it is or not, but it was down there. Do you get? It's not there anymore, is it? Yeah, well, it, it, it was so loud. We only went there once, but we took Nathan in there and he cried the whole time he was in there because it was just so loud. You could hear everybody from all over the restaurant talking, but you couldn't distinguish what anybody was saying. And that's what Paul's kind of talking about here. He's saying, everybody's talking, but nobody's listening. Nobody's getting anything out of this. God's not an author of that. And so here's the thing. When you do these things, let one or two of you speak at one time. And, and let everybody else hear. Let one interpret. If you don't have an interpreter, then keep your mouth shut. Don't be out of order. Don't, don't be you know, a church of confusion. Because you're not representing Christ in that manner. Um, he says this edification is to build up. It's it's actually building up, you know, the church. It's building up the body. He says there in verse 32, he says, And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. I'm hurrying up because I'm, I'm going to run out of time and I've got to get to the part that I'm am really kind of delaying to get to. But... <laughs> Spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Um, what Paul's saying here is that, you know, there's a lot of people that go, hey, be careful, don't open yourself up to any gifts. Because here's the thing, if God gives you the gift of tongues, you might, you might be, you know, in, in a, in a uh, you know, a, a, one of those driver schools because you have to go <laughs> to get the points off your license. This is for Steve, you know. Yeah. And, and you go into that class and you're there and the teacher is teaching you. And, and right in the middle of class, you just start breaking off and, should have bought a Honda, but about a Hyundai, you know. Um, and, 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 you, you, and, and you start speaking, you can't, you can't help it. And everybody looks at you and you're going to go, ah, oh, I can't stop, you know, because God just came over me and I began to speak in a tongue. And, 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 and people are going to look at me really weird so I don't want the gift of tongues because I'm afraid of that well, here's the thing God is never going to give you something that you should be afraid of that is not God God is not the author of confusion God is a, is, God is a good father he's a good father he's not going to give you something and go "Ha! Oh, watch this He's going to be at the grocery store in the grocery store, and he's going to be checking out, and all of us, and he, he's going to start screaming out in tongues. <laughs> watch this, Michael Gabriel. You got to check this one out. He's at Publix right now, and watch what Jeremy is going to freak out. You know, and, and he's works at Publix, and so you know he's gonna he's going to freak out on this guy. He's going whoa whoa we got somebody we need to call in. You know uh, the, the 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 padded cell guys, and so people feel that. Man, I'm going to be overcome. Well, no, Paul says, no, 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 no. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. The, the, the gift that the Holy Spirit will give to you is subject to the one in whom it's given. In other words, you're not going, you're going to have control over the gift. Not that you have the ability to go out there and just start, you know, if you've got the gift of miracles, you know, God gives you a gift of miracles that you're going to just walk out and just heal everyone you know but the thing is or that you can just do whatever you want at whenever you would like to the the point is is that the gift is given to you and it can be operated at the time that the lord designates you to use it and he's not going to overcome you and make you start speaking in tongues you know now it may very well be <laughs> I, I don't want to sound weird here but I mean it very well may be that you could be in another country and you I can't remember I think I was talking to Bert last week hey, was, it, was it you Bert talking about Bob Wolfing yeah he was speaking to somebody in, in India or something like that he was speaking to somebody in India and, and the guy he was speaking to the guy in English he thought and, and, and the guy says how, did, how do you know our language and, and, and they were communicating And and Bob's just thinking that he's speaking in English, and yet this guy's hearing him in his own language. And you go, okay, well, there's a pretty interesting operation of the gift of tongues. He was ministering to this guy in the Lord. Again, Bob had control over that. Bob had control over his, his exercise of that gift. So the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. Um. God's not the author of confusion, but of peace is in all the churches of the saints. God's not going to interrupt. Uh, He's not going to interrupt, you know, a pastor from speaking by having somebody exercise a gift. I, I, if that happens in a church, and it's happened before, I will. I'll ask, you know, hey, let's let's uh, let's hold that. You know, it doesn't happen very often, but it has happened in the time that I've been here, where somebody will start to speak out. Hey, uh, you know what? Let's let's you know, let's talk afterwards. You know, but right now the Lord, the Lord, I believe is speaking. You know, through through me and what it is that He's prepared the message, and so let's we'll hear that later. You know, and and you know, trying not to. You don't want to offend somebody. You know, I'm not here to offend somebody. I'm not here to kick somebody out. I want to hear what the Lord has to say. But the Lord is not going to interrupt himself. Uh, And and now for the, the last few moments that we're together. Let your women keep silent in the church. Verse 34. For they're not permitted to speak, but they are submissive, as the law also says. If they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. It's shameful for women to speak in church. Let's pray. Um, some teachers will look at this passage and and they'll teach that this was actually a a cultural exhortation from Paul that specifically dealt with the local Corinthian church. Um, uh, They teach that uh, in that culture, the men sat on one side of the room and the women sat on the other side of the room and as the the speaker was was, uh, speaking, if he said something that was a little hard for, you know, a woman over here to understand, she would go, hey, honey, she'd just interrupt the message. Hey, honey, hey, I don't know what he just said. Can you explain that to me? I don't understand it. And and they'll, they'll explain it that way. She should wait till she gets home to ask her husband what he was really meaning. Don't ask right there in the middle because it's going to... You're gonna number one. You're gonna be stepping on the pastor. You're gonna be causing you know uh, disruption. You're gonna you're gonna you know take people off of really what the pastor is trying to say or, or or what have you, and and you draw attention to yourself. And so don't do that. Wait till you get home. Now, the danger with understanding that Paul is speaking to us like that today, speaking to them, and that it doesn't apply you know uh, to us today. Um, you know, understanding this is a very, very, very uh, controversial passage. Um, but if 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 you take this and say culturally it was a cultural thing, you begin to cross a very, very dangerous line. You begin to tread upon some very dangerous ground, where you take and you you take a a scripture that you don't necessarily like and you take it and you culturalize it back to another time period and say well that doesn't mean that for us today because we are a culture that is different and we accept it in our culture today and so because we accept it in our culture today it is okay it's okay uh, at what point do you draw the line with that you see the word of god god's not he doesn't change god doesn't change God changes not. His word doesn't change. Righteousness doesn't change. Sin doesn't change. Those things don't change. And so here's the thing. I'm very uncomfortable with the idea saying, well, that was a cultural thing back then. Let's, it doesn't mean that for today, especially when Paul doesn't designate it specifically only for that church. I mean, if we take that, we can say, well, no gifts should be operated because he was just speaking to the church in Corinth. Communion shouldn't really be exercised today because he's talked about communion back in chapter 11 and and, and he was talking to the Corinthian church. And so that's a cultural thing that they did back then. We shouldn't, We shouldn't exercise that today. You see, what point do you stop with saying, well, it's applicable back then, but it's not applicable for us today. See, I, I'm, I'm more along the line of saying, hey, if the Word says it, let's see what the Word is saying here. What is the Word saying here? Paul, he says, let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. But women have, and I've learned this in my marriage, women have an innate desire to lead, in many instances, to be more spiritual, and in many instances, to be more emotional. That's just how God made women. I'm not not here to excuse why God made men and women differently. All the way back in the book of Genesis, where God says to the woman, as a part of her curse, found in Genesis chapter 3, He says, you know, to the woman, He says, to you, because you have uh, done this, I will greatly multiply. He says in verse chapter 3, verse 16 of Genesis, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Now at first reading, we might romanticize that and say, well, that's awesome. I mean... A woman is always going to have an affection for her husband. Well, he doesn't say affection. He's not saying affection here. A woman's desire shall be for your husband. If you look at the correct rendering, if you look at what what this is, this is a curse. This isn't a blessing. This is God cursing, putting a curse down upon a woman. He says, I'm going to multiply conception and childbirth. He doesn't then break off into something that is going to be a blessing. What he does is he says, and there is also going to be a part of the curse is going to be that you're going to have a desire for your husband. What I believe that the Lord is saying here right now is that, and I believe that it's accurate because he, 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 he supports it by his very last statement there. He goes, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. God is setting a standard right there. He's setting a precedent. He's saying a husband is going to be the leader in a home. And a wife is to be submissive to that. But it's going to be a hard thing for a wife to do that at times. Because a wife has an ability to lead. She has an ability to be spiritual. She has an ability to be emotional. She has an ability, she has the ability... She has the wherewithal. She has the ability to do that. But she's going to long to take the leadership role away from the husband. Your desire shall be for the leadership position of your husband. And that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. So all the way back in the book of Genesis, God already establishes that there's going to be a problem. A part of the curse for a woman is that she's going to have to be led by her husband. Now, what does that say about you and I, guys? That says that we better be good leaders so that women would want to follow us. Our wives would want to follow us, right? And if we're not, can you imagine her position having to follow you? If you're a jerk, if you're an idiot, if you you don't respect her, if you don't lead her the way that the Lord would have you to lead her, and yet she is supposed to follow that can you imagine would you do it a lot of guys are going to say no i wouldn't do it remember we had a a, a singles retreat uh a long long time ago back over marco island back when i was over in calvary fort lauderdale and kevin was weeb weeb eubanks or something like that i can't remember who you were he was he was like the game show it was a little skit and uh Cato Carson, yeah, he was Cato Carson. Kevin, is was Cato Carson. I can't remember uh, uh, the guy's name. What was the guy's name? He was a receiver for Tennessee at one time, I think. Um, I don't know, Spanish guy. He uh, had his name in my head before you said Cato Carson. Um, but we had the girls against the guys, and he was playing a dumb jock. And as the girls were answering the questions right and the guys were getting all the answers wrong, you know, the girls were backing up their, their you know, answers with scripture and what have you, and the guys couldn't, <laughs> you know. And it was obviously emphasizing kind of, they were making a joke out of this. Well, Jerry, Jerry, it was his name. Jerry, while one of the girls was talking, he says, Hey, 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 is this say somewhere in Timothy you're not supposed to be talking? That's always been kind of a joke. I, everybody just rolled. It was funny because it's such a an abuse of scripture. Now, I, I guess just hearing myself just say that I think that's funny an abuse of scripture is probably not what you'd want to hear your pastor say from the pulpit. It was a joke. It was it was a it was a it was a skit intended to show the 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 the, the, the a parody on this. And the idea is, don't do this, guys. And gals, you got to, you got some work to do also. You know, It was a joke. It was something that was emphasizing a point. But here's the thing. Can you imagine, guys, following somebody that is not followable? And that's what Paul is talking about here. I believe wholeheartedly that's what Paul is talking about here. Women... Are to keep silent in churches. They're not permitted to speak. They are to be submissive as to the law, as, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. These two verses, we can look at that and go, if I'm a woman, I might look at that and go, well, I really don't even like the Apostle Paul right now because he does not like women. There's nothing further from the truth. Paul's not saying he doesn't like women. He's saying that God has set down an order. He's not dissing women. He's not trashing down on women. He's not, you know, putting women under His thumb. He's saying there is an order that God has set for man and woman to be. He he talks about it in Ephesians chapter 5, doesn't He? Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. He gives her... He gives wives three verses. Gives men nine. He says, now, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. You wash her with the water of the Word. One day, you're going to present her holy and blameless back to the Lord one day. You, guys, I, me, we, husbands, are going to one day have to present our wives back to the Lord and say, Lord spotless, holy, blameless is my wife because I led her the way that you led me. Now, from my vantage point, I know I'm a guy, but I would think that a man who loved me the way that Christ loved his church and sacrificed himself for it and showed that unconditional love for his church. If a man was doing that for me on a day in and day out basis, he's not a guy that I'm going to have a hard time following because he's never going to look down his nose at me as being something, anything other than what it is that I am. I'm his partner. I'm there to help him. In fact, God says, I'm going to bring a helpmate. A helpmate unto the man. I won't take him out of, her head, out of his head. I'm not going to take him out of her feet, out of his feet. I'll take him out of the side for he'll, she'll walk side by side with her husband. The husband doesn't walk upon the woman. It's not that. It's that God has established an order. He's established an order. And, and he does say, and, and I know as you look at this, women keep silent in the churches. They're not permitted to speak. They're, they are to be submissive as the law also says, and if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home for it is shameful for women to speak in church. I'm out of time, but let me just suffice it. I had you turn to First, First Timothy chapter 2. Turn over there real quick because I will very quickly look at this. First Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. You're there. I had to get there. Paul talks to Timothy. He begins in verse He's He's been talking about, you know, how to pray in public and, and, you know, women in public worship. But in verse 11, he says, Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. He says, And I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first and then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Paul takes this role of a woman and he takes it all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And he says, here's the thing. Man was created first. And God was doing things with man. And at one point, God looked upon man and says, man should not be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And then he brought along, out of the sight of man, he brought along woman. The man said, whoa. (laughs) Man? Whoa, man? That's what I'm going to call her. Whoa, man? And, And she came alongside to be his helpmate. Now, now, here's, here's the thing. He was to lead her. The next thing we see is that they're in the garden where God says, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of all the trees in the garden, you can eat, but not of this one. And here, the very next scene, Eve is sitting there talking to a serpent. And the serpent deceives Eve how did he do that? In Eve's desire to want to become even more spiritual, she listens and is, was influenced by the serpent to take and eat of the tree of the Garden of Eden, of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden, which God had forbidden Adam to Eve. Eve's desire to see deeper, to know more completely, to experience more fully, led her to be deceived by the serpent, to, be, to disobey God. Satan used her instincts against her in order to cause her to sin by framing his questions to her in such a way that it seemed to play into her desire to know and experience more, which would lead her to take and eat something that would fulfill her desire for more, even though this knowledge would come by unrighteous means. In other words, the end justified the means. I'll do something unrighteous in order to gain something that may produce more righteousness. My desire is to know more. My desire is to be more. My desire is to 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 have and experience all that is offered to mankind. That's my desire. And and the serpent comes in and deceives her and gets her to eat. And 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 Adam is not leading. She eats, and then the Bible says, and then she gave to the man who was with her, and he ate too. Going, why didn't the man lead? When we sweat out there in the summer, when we stab ourselves with a thorn when we're picking up weeds, we have to thank our our great-great-grandfather, Adam, for not leading. But he wasn't producing, he wasn't fulfilling the role that he was supposed to fulfill. But the fact remains that Paul says, Satan came and influenced her on the things that she was strong in, but she was also very weak in. And and, and that's that right there. That was not her role to lead in that position. And because of that, She fell. She fell. This isn't my words. This is what the Word is saying. This is what I see the Word saying. This is what I see what Paul is saying in the Word. This is what I see Moses writing back in Genesis chapter 3. This is what I see. Take it home and, 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 and look at it yourself and consider it. If you were to go back into the book of Judges, you would find out that there is a, a situation back in the book of Judges that one of the judges was a woman. Her name was Deborah. And Barak, <laughs> Barak, I don't write this stuff, His name was Barak. He came to Deborah and said, hey, that army over there is really, really mean. And we're afraid of them. Why don't you go and lead us, Deborah? Deborah says, I know that I can lead and I know I can do that, but here's the thing. Do you understand that if I do that and we're victorious, which we will be, That everybody's going to know that this victory was at the hands of a woman? And Brock said, "I, I don't really care. I don't care. Even Deborah understood that something was wrong with this picture. We can look back at the book of Judges and go, there's something wrong with this picture. This is why I believe Paul says there in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where he says, that it is shameful for women to speak in church. Is he saying that they don't have the capacity to? I don't think that he's trashing down on women here. I think that he's saying it's shameful that a church doesn't have men big enough or strong enough or willing to lead, but that you have to have a woman in there leading for you. Come on, men. Where are you? And I think that that's exactly what Paul's talking about. It's exactly what the book of Judges was saying, what Deborah was saying. You're, you're kidding me, right? You're not going to go out unless a woman goes and leads you? And Barak goes, yeah, <laughs> that's right. You know, the victory's going to be handed to me. I'm going to go down in the annals of history as being the one who led Israel out. I'm going to be a judge. <laughs> it's okay, but we're not going out unless you go out in front of us. That Deborah was even questioning this issue is proof text that Deborah understood this is not the proper order. The proper order is that there should be a man big enough, strong enough, willing enough to lead. And you're not leading. And that's what I believe Paul's saying. It's shameful for a woman to do that. Not that a woman can't do it. Listen, there was a time that, that uh, Anne Graham Lots and Danny Lots, her husband, they were coming down to do a marriage seminar, you know, at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, right before I came over here. We were over at Marco Island. And, and there was a big hurricane that happened, and Danny got stuck in North Carolina. And, but Ann met him. They were going to meet each other here because Ann was somewhere on the West Coast. He was in North Carolina. He couldn't get out because of the hurricane. She ended up coming, and they're going, well, what do we do? And so Ann said, well, here's what we were going to talk about. Can I just show you something? Let me see if I can find it. Those notes right there, these notes right here, that's from 20 years ago. That was Ann Graham Lott's notes. I don't have anybody else's notes like that in my Bible. To say that a woman can't, doesn't have the ability to teach or doesn't have the ability to do that is, is wrong. The point is, her role is not that in the church, to lead men. Men need to step up and take the position of the role that God has established for them to take. Anything different is out of God's order. And so, when you have a woman pastor in a church, that is shameful. Sorry. That's shameful. Because a man hasn't taken his position seriously enough that he's saying, No, 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 I don't want to do it. Not in God's order. This is outside of God's order. Women, hey, teach the women, teach the kids, minister to them, bless them. But here's the thing. As being a leader over a congregation, as teaching men, he goes, I do not permit a woman to teach a man, for she was deceived. Don't allow the enemy to reverse the roles of men and women. Don't allow the enemy to reverse those roles. And we are living in a culture that is trying to reverse those roles, and we've got to be careful. And now you understand why this is such a hot-button item that it's hard to talk about these things. I know I, I may have hurt some feelings here today. and I, It's not my intention to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just saying, please take this home and recognize and, and, and search it out yourself. What is the role of a man according to God? What is the role of a woman according to God? That's what we should be determining. Not what it is that I'm saying. Go home and search it yourself. And see if you come up with something different. And I would say if you take an honest approach at the word of God and you look at God's order, you're going to come to the same conclusion. Like it or not, you might not like it. But know this, it's God's order. And that's the way God desires it to be. And sometimes, guys, we need to be prodded because we fail miserably at leading at times we got to step up. We've got to be followable to our wives, to our kids. They need to know that, that we love the Lord and we love them and we are willing to be led by the Lord so that we have the ability to follow, to, to lead them. That's God's order. That's God's design. He finishes off this passage. He's just saying, listen. He says... uh if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. He just got done saying, listen, hey, did the word of God come originally from you guys? Or was it from you that it only reached? Verse 37, if anyone thinks him to self be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that at least the things that I'm writing to you guys are the commandments of the Lord. And then Paul says, but if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Listen, if, if you're not going to take what it is that I'm saying, Paul's saying, if you're going to be ignorant, go ahead and be ignorant. It's no skin off my nose. But know this, this is what the Lord is saying. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently in order. These last two verses, you know, is kind of a a picture of the church today. There are those that say, hey, the gifts are for today. Churches are saying gifts are for today. And then there's churches that say the gifts are not for today. And so you've got one one side of the coin, they are for today. On the other side of the coin, they aren't for today. And, and Paul's saying, let's let everything be done decently in order. Don't forbid. And don't trash down on those who do. But don't over abuse the gifts of the Spirit either. Don't abuse them. Use them for what God intended for them to be. Because God is a, is a God of order. God is not a God of, of confusion. Do it God's way. Not man's way. Not culture's way. Amen? Amen. Whew. Lord, I pray, God, that today's message um, left my mouth and entered the ears and the hearts and the minds of everyone who heard in the manner in which I intended it to come out. My intention was that it would come out in humility not gloating that I'm a man, but recognizing how weak we can be as men and how often we fail at the position that you've given to us. Recognizing that, God, I am very thankful that you created women. I'm so thankful that you created my wife. She has exemplified a life of faith that I have grown from. Tremendously. She has taught me over and over and over what it means to pray and believe, to trust, to look to you first. I love my wife because my wife desires me to lead, my wife desires to follow, she wants me to be strong. May you make the men in this room. Would you equip us, Lord? These are almost empty, empty requests, Lord, because you will equip us. You will enable us. You will never ask a man, you will never ask a woman to do something that you yourself will not empower them to do. You're never going to ask us to do the impossible apart from your Holy Spirit And when it is impossible and coupled with your Holy Spirit then nothing becomes impossible for all things are possible with you Lord. I pray God that this message really struck a chord in every one of our hearts and I pray God that we would go home and do further research on what it is that you've actually called us to be and that we would we would strengthen those areas that we need to be strengthened in. We need to become and have much more of a resolve in the role that you have called each and every one of us to live in accordance with. What you've created us to do and to be. And may we, Lord, check our own emotions at the door. Our own way of thinking at the door. May we bring our understanding in line with yours. May we trust you. I know sometimes, Lord, that is so hard. Trust you with our lives. As foolish as it sounds, Lord, sometimes we think we can handle our lives a whole lot better than you can. That we know better. Only to come to find out later on down the road that we do nothing Less than just mess up our lives when left to our own resources. May we, Lord, trust you with our lives. Trust you with the roles that you've designated for each and every one of us. And may we fulfill those roles to the T of what it is that you've called us to be and do. For that's all that you've called us to be and do. Not to do more. Not to do... Not to be something more than what it is that you've called us to be. Help us, Lord, to be the men or the women that you've called us to be. And may we crack a smile upon your face because we are following you and not culture. This is a difficult message, Lord. I pray, Lord, that it has been received in the manner for which it was given. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.